Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, happy Monday, everybody. And I'm, I know I must say this every week, but it's, it's always true. I'm always so excited to have my guests on my show each week. It's so positive. And this particular week, I have the opportunity. I'm having a three-peater. I'm having a guest. His name is Dr. Ravinder Singh, and he is joining me for the third time. Welcome back to the show, Ravinder. Well, thank you, Marsha. It's glad to be back. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. I wanted to tell, I wanted to tell everybody just briefly about you and I. So we met about, I figured it's about 16, it might even be 17 years ago. Oh, that was a long time ago. Well, I was working uh, for time. the Westchester YMCA. I know, really? And I was working um, for the Westchester YMCA, and you were a guest speaker, and we talked about the metabolic syndrome, which I didn't even know what that meant, but I do know that it has to do with the risk for heart disease, stroke, and type 2 diabetes. Do you remember that? Now that you mention it, I, it's coming back to me a little bit, but uh, yeah. it's been a long time, and yeah. uh, it, it seems like it was uh, in, a, in another life. I, seriously, well, it was for me, for certain. And yeah, and what I did is I went back, and I I keep I'm a spreadsheet queen, and I went back and I looked to see when we first met on the radio in the studio at LA Talk Live, and I found it. The first show was January the 11th of 2016. Then you joined me again in the studio when your book came out, which was July 31st, 2017. So it's been two years. And I just, I am just so thrilled. Just just because I didn't mention this, let me just all, let you all know that Dr. Singh is the founder of the Premier Neurology Group in Beverly Hills. And they combine Western and Eastern medicine to just help heal the brain. And we're going to be talking a lot about that. But before we do, I think it's always wonderful, Ravinder, to let people, if they, did, if they hadn't heard about you before, if you could just tell our audience just a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, as, you, as you mentioned, I'm a neurologist, and I actually finished my neurology residency uh, at UCLA Medical Center. Gosh, it's, it's been almost... More than 25 years ago now, man. It's it's been a long time. Um, And uh, then after finishing my residency, I did a fellowship at the VA Medical Center and UCLA on traumatic brain injuries and stroke. So I became basically a stroke specialist. And after I finished my my fellowship, I, I went to Charles Drew Medical Center and King Drew Medical Center Charles Drew University uh, and uh, started a stroke program at that hospital. Um, but I was there only for a year or so. And then after that, I decided to go into private practice. Uh, and then I've been in private practice in the Beverly Hills area since uh, the year 2000. So um, 
it's been, I guess it's more than 19 years now that I've been in private practice. But in private practice, I also realize as a neurologist, um, uh, you know, we see a lot of migraine patients. And um, I developed an interest in migraine. And uh, uh, at that time, it was more, I mean, because I was seeing so many patients, and I, I found, I saw that there were some limitations on Western medicine. A lot of my patients were not getting any better uh, despite all my medications, and I started looking around to see what else I can offer. And, um, and for your listeners who don't know me, uh, I'm originally from India, and uh, as you know, the India is uh, India is the land of um, alternative therapies like yoga and Ayurveda and homeopathy and things like that. And so um, I remember that when I was young, I had uh, done some of these alternative therapies when I was growing up in India. Uh, and so when I started seeing these patients in my practice who I could not uh, use my medications, Western medications to help them, I thought about what I was, you know, when I was growing up and all these alternative therapies. So I started looking around to see uh, if there are other people in this country who are doing some alternative therapies. Um, and I started, um, uh, you know, initially referring my patients to some of them, like, like for example, acupuncture. And uh, I found a person, you know, also from India who was doing homeopathic uh, medicine. And I found that patients were getting better. So then I decided in 2005 that I wanted to combine my interest in both Western and Eastern medicine and started an integrative center uh, so, so we could offer the patients both Western medicine from my perspective and then other Eastern uh, therapies that would help them to uh, you know, go beyond what we could do from Western medicine. And that's basically my, my interest has been in integrating both Western and Eastern medicine ever since then. Uh, now, I'm not a, an Eastern practitioner. I, I do yoga for myself, but I don't know enough to, uh, to teach my patients. Um, but I've surrounded myself with experts in their field. So now we have an acupuncturist, we have a chiropractor, a yoga therapist, a homeopathic physician, we do nutrition counseling, and I've also become very interested in doing stress management, and uh, that has been also very rewarding. So it's just uh, the uh, evolution of this center uh, from the very beginning, uh, and, and now it's at, this, uh, at, a, at a level where you know we we found we found kind of like a happy medium of what we want to offer in the office and, and combine with the Western medicines. Uh, because nothing works for everybody. There's some people who respond to Western medications, and I will happily you know, prescribe medications to them. But there are many other people who will respond to other you know, uh, therapies. And we'll talk about some of the new uh, treatments that, are, uh, that have come about in the last year or so, uh, which is very exciting, and we will discuss uh, some of the specifics. But that's, been, that's, been, and that's my background. Well, so let me ask you something. Um, I saw a neurologist for a condition that I had in my leg called neuralgia parasthetica. Is that how you say that? Um, yes. Something like that. I've had it many, many years ago. Um, so he was a neurologist. I didn't really see him for anything else. Um, are you, as your practice and your um, neurology group, is it different from most neurologist practices 
would people find that that they that because of your western and eastern sort of background is that different than a lot of other neurologist practices well it is different uh in so far as i'm combining both western and eastern medicine but as a neurologist i see all conditions that other neurologists will see uh, so you talk about neuralgia parasitica, which is a, a condition affecting leg, causing numbness and tingling and pain uh, in the thigh region. But um, as a neurologist, we see you know, all the standard neurological conditions uh, stemming uh, uh, from migraine headaches to strokes to seizures to Parkinson's disease to dementia, uh, multiple sclerosis, neuropathies, and back pain, neck pain. You name it. So any kind of neurological condition, uh, we will see patients in the office. The only difference between my practice and other neurologist practice is that uh, I also have this integrative aspect, um, and uh, so I have other, you know, non um, uh, uh, MDs um, such as, like like I mentioned before, acupuncturists, mm-hmm. yoga therapists, and things, you know, people like that. Uh, that are not generally part of other neurologist practices. Now, even in neurologist practices, uh, there are some uh, sub-specializations. As I mentioned that my training was in stroke, so I became a stroke specialist. Now, not everybody becomes a stroke specialist or a headache specialist. Uh, and there are some people who focus mainly on neuropathies. And so they're, they're primarily, you know, they're, their primary focus in their neurology practice uh, might be different, and there are some people who are uh, who are uh, specialists in multiple sclerosis, um, and so you kind of. But but most general neurologists will treat almost uh, every neurological condition, and if it requires uh, further subspecialization, then we will refer the patients to you know the, the other subspecialists, so to speak. Great, you know, you have a fabulous website. I want to mention it now. We'll mention it down the line, and we'll also talk about your Instagram, which I totally love. So people can find <laughs> you at Premier. I do. I love it. PremierNeurology.com. www. And, uh, and it really it's, talks. Uh, uh, it's it's a Premier-Neurology.com. Oh, you're so right. I'm looking at it right now, and you are you are right. If you don't put the dash in, you won't get there. So let me just reset that again, everybody. It's Premier. P R E M I E R dash neurology n e u r o l o g y dot com, and you will see on his page that everything from Botox, neck and back pain, dementia, neuropathy, epilepsy, sleep disorders, headache and migraine and stroke. Because you have a you have a a, a team of specialists, but what we're going to talk about specifically today is headaches because. That is something that is near and dear, and I, as a specialist, and for people that don't really understand headaches, me being one, hand up, I don't get headaches. I've probably had five headaches in my entire life, so I don't know what a headache is, what causes them, how you would even define it. So what is a headache? Maybe that's a great way to start. <laughs> Or who is a headache? <laughs> uh, well, but, you know what? You know, uh, that's so, now, you know, you may have this Eastern background, but you definitely have a Western sense of humor, and you always have. <laughs> so, yes, some people can provide you a headache just by their being. But go ahead. What yes. do you want to say? <laughs> well, um, 
I like you said there are um, uh, you know a lot of patients may not have suffered from uh, severe headaches. Uh, I'm also uh, lucky uh, as you are that I don't um, suffer from these chronic headaches. So and people who don't really get any headaches, it's hard for them to really understand uh, the pain that migraine sufferers uh, have to um, have to endure. Um, so a headache is basically any kind of pain in the head. Um, it's a you know, simplistic definition, but, you know, there's pain, there's ache in the head, and that's, that's called headache. Now, how is that different from migraine headache? That is a more important question. Because um, mm-hmm. migraine headache is actually something different. It's a neurological condition uh, where headache is just one part of it, uh, but they have other symptoms associated with the, you know, with the headache. Uh, so... Um, uh, headache, you can get a headache, um, you know, if you're under some stress and you're tired and you've been working a lot all day and uh, maybe, you know, your your day was very stressful and you didn't get enough sleep the night before. And so you come in and you have a little pain in the front of the head. It's like a pressure kind of sensation. Uh, and you just want to kind of cl- close your eyes and just kind of relax for, you know, for a little bit. And uh, or maybe take uh, over-the-counter pain medication, uh, and the headache goes away. And that is just that is what's called a, a, a simple uh, 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 stress headache um, uh, or tension-type headache. Um, and that most people, it, it's, it's the most common type of headache is a, is a tension-type headache. Almost everybody will have experienced that at one point or another. Uh, it's not very common necessarily. There's there's small subset of patients who will get uh, chronic uh, tension type headaches uh, who are under a lot of stress all the time, or there may be other other uh, reasons for that too. Uh, but that is different from a migraine headache. Now, a migraine headache is something that uh, is not as common as a stress headache, but uh, it, it, because it is very um, it can cause so much uh, uh, disability. It is the most important uh, type of uh, um, headache that uh, most people have. It affects uh, a, a lot more women than men. Uh, so there is some genetic predisposition. Um, and so if you have parents who uh, have had migraine headaches, you're more likely to get them. Um, and uh, there are some specific differences between stress headaches and and migraine headaches, which when which we can go into shortly. Okay, that's that's really helpful. I, I I appreciate hearing that. And if you know how sometimes doctors will say on a scale of one to ten, what's your pain level? Is it a five? Is it a six? Is it a one? Is it a ten? Would you say that when you talk to somebody that's having the common, what you call simple <clears throat> stress or tension headache, do they do they sort of sit on the level of pain maybe at a five where a migraine person may be sitting at a level 10 or could it be one to 10 in both places? Well, um, the, the simple answer is it could be one to 10 in both places. Uh, however, okay. I don't really like to use this uh, um, kind of scale um, because one person's five is another person's eight, so you cannot right. really tell exactly what that what they are mean what they mean by that. I mean, they could be sitting here, you know, just talking to you, and uh, they feel comfortable. But when you ask them, they say, "Well, my headache is an eight. 
Well, if your headache is an eight, then you know it doesn't look like you have an eight. So it, it's all it's also also a, a patient's own uh, perspectives uh, and their mm-hmm. own pain threshold. You know, some people who have a very high pain threshold, they may have quote unquote an eight level pain, uh, but they will say, oh, it's no big deal. I can handle it. It's it's, it's like a five for me. So unless it's you're dealing with the same patient. And they can quantify, okay, well, yesterday was a level eight, today is a level five. Then I can say, okay, maybe today's is not as bad as the one the patient mm-hmm. had yesterday. Uh, but it's hard to compare from one patient to another because uh, there are so many uh, individual variations and differences. Um, but the answer to your question is yes, these tension headaches can uh, be mild, can be one or two or three or they can be pretty severe and can be a level eight or nine or 10. And same thing with migraine headaches. Uh, generally, there's one misconception people have. Some people will say, oh, I have, my, I have headaches, but um, I only get migraines once in a while. I say, okay, what do you mean by migraine headaches? It's a, oh, no, that really severe headache. So in some, in some instances, patients will uh, they, they think that migraine is just a severe headache. And so um, when you question them more, it just happens that their, stress, uh, their tension type headaches are just severe. It's not that they're having a migraine headache necessarily uh, because there some patients who don't know what migraine means, they, they, all, they think that migraine is just a severe headache, uh, which, which is not true. So you can have a mild migraine or you can have a severe migraine. Does it still... Um, affect the same part of the head? In other words, is a common stress headache more temporal? I think that might be called, or like in the forehead where a migraine may be in the back. I mean, is there, does, is the location of the headache, is that also a deciding factor between a common and a migraine? Well, uh, sometimes. Usually, a okay. tension-type headache is, is, is on both sides of the head. So whether it's in the frontal region, in, your, in the front of your head, your forehead region, or in the sides, or on the back of your head, but it's usually either both sides or affects the whole head. Um, migraine headache tends to be more uh, one-sided, or it's called unilateral. Now, that's not always the case. There are a lot of mm-hmm. patients who also have bilateral or occurring on both sides of the head. Uh, but generally speaking, it's on one side. But the differentiating characteristic is that usually a migraine headache is more of a, a is it the characteristic of the headache is different. So uh, whereas the tension type headache is more of a uh, tightness or a heaviness in, in, in the head, um, the migraine headache is more like a throbbing. Like for, uh, people generally say, like somebody is banging on my head with a hammer. Um, and so it's like a banging or a, a throbbing or pulsating kind of a pain. Uh, and they usually have other symptoms associated with, with, uh, with the pain. Uh, for example, more common ones are like light sensitivity or sound sensitivity. So they are, when they get a headache, when they have the migraine headache, they're, they're more sensitive to light and sound. So they will prefer more of a dark room. Uh, because mm-hmm. light bothers them a lot more, and they will want, you know, even some loud noises like the sound of the TV will become very bothersome, and they will tell people, okay, uh, just turn the TV down, you know, leave me in a room 
which is dark and quiet. Don't make any noises because noises will hurt. Uh, in, uh, they will increase the pain. So there are some other uh, characteristics uh, where the brain, what I like to say is that the brain becomes very sensitive uh, for some reason. So there's an increased sensitivity, increased sensitivity to sound, to, uh, to vision. Um, sometimes people don't like to be touched a lot when they're having a headache because their skin has become very sensitive. Um, there are a lot of patients who have smell sensitivity. They will say, you know, some of, sometimes uh, the, the, scent, uh, the uh, scent of uh, uh, detergent or perfumes can be very bothersome to them. Um, so, um, you know, they, they will try to stay away hmm. from any kind of strong perfumes uh, because they become very sensitive to smell. So those are some of the other associated symptoms uh, that migraine patients will have that tension-type patients, uh, tension-type headache patients will not have. Interesting. That's really interesting, and I'm certain that for those that are listening to this show, and I know people that have suffered, uh, my former um, sister-in-law, may he, she rest in peace, she had migraines, and I had forgotten this. But you are absolutely right. When she got a migraine, she needed to be in a dark room where it was quiet to just calm her brain down or whatever happens to your brain in that situation. But I recall where she wasn't able to go to work and she needed to just be in a dark location. And I I had forgot about that. Um, I think that there are probably, we talked a little bit about this. I don't even know. Are let me just ask this kind of general question, and I don't know how you want to respond to this, but just in general, are headaches common across the population, whether you're a child or you're a senior citizen? Are headaches common amongst all of us? Well, as I mentioned uh, before, the tension-type headaches, those are the most common type of uh, what's called primary headaches, which means that there's no other underlying cause. Um, besides stress. Uh, and so that's very common, uh, but it's not common in the sense that it's affecting everybody um, um, chronically, that everybody is affected all the time. Um, like, like you mentioned, that you only have, like, have had five headaches in your life. Uh, so mm-hmm. there are a lot of individuals who don't get easily stressed out, and they don't really have a lot of stress headaches. But that's the most common type, and it is uh, almost 90% of the population will experience uh, a tension-type headache at one point or another, uh, maybe not all the time. Uh, now, mm-hmm. migraine headaches uh, are like, uh, as I mentioned briefly before, they're more common in women. And uh, unfortunately, right. it affects women in their prime of their lives. It's more common uh, from age, let's say, 15 to, the, to, to 50. Uh, so that's the, the time when you are the most active. You're a uh, student, you're working, you're, you're starting a family. Um, and so it's affecting your life uh, uh, a lot. And women, uh, well, almost 18 to 20% of young women, which is basically one-fifth of uh, every, all, all women uh, in this country, will suffer from migraine headaches. So it's, it is very common uh, in, young, in young women. Um, in men, it's about uh, eight to ten percent. So, like maybe one tenth of of, of uh, the population of men, uh, or even less than that, will suffer from migraine headaches. And it starts uh, basically uh, when you when you uh, you know you are young, 
uh, in uh, middle school or high school age or after, uh, you know, women or girls start uh, getting their periods, uh, that's yes. when it becomes more common. I mean, it, that's when it starts. And then it becomes more common as you grow older uh, in your 20s and 30s and 40s. So that's real interesting. Um, I'm just curious about this, too, and I think you did mention this just a while ago. So it it can also be genetic if your mother or father were, were headache sufferers. Is it is it more likely that you you, too, may have some of that predisposition because of that? Yeah, that's mainly for migraine headaches, yes. Only so for migraine. We, don't have, we okay. haven't really identified a, a migraine gene yet, but uh, uh, there is this uh, in the familial disposition so that if your parents have migraine headaches, then you're more likely to have them. Or even if your parents don't, but your grandparents do or your uncle and, mm-hmm. uncles and aunts do, uh, you know, that would also increase your risk uh, of having migraine headaches. That's that's real interesting. I'm just sort of exploring in my own mind my own family history, and it probably explains why I haven't had many headaches in my life. I don't recall my parents having headaches. I don't recall my brother having headaches. Um, Now and then, maybe my kids might have had a headache, but typically it probably was more about what you said, the common stress headache and high school studying for an exam or something like that. So that, that's, that, that's very interesting because I would imagine, like anything, there's probably a lot of misconceptions about what people think migraines are or what people think a common stress headache. I liked when you, when you, you gave me a really good visual. When you hear people say, I have a throbbing headache, you actually, you, you can hear people use that word. Um, that's the migraine. The, the, the pain where you just want to go, oh, gosh, you're just, my head hurts. You know, I just want to close my eyes maybe or maybe not. That's more the common stress headache. Do, do I have that sort of correct? Yeah, it is correct. I mean, it's not always uh, 100%. I mean, it's not like it's uh, uh, it'll be 200% right. of the time. Uh, because, right. uh, as I mentioned, sometimes you can have migraine headaches that affect both sides of the brain or both sides of the head. Um, and and also that stress can uh, trigger both stress headaches and migraine headaches. So uh, even so if you are, if you, you if you say, well, I've had a very stressful day, and at the end of the day, you have a headache. Well, it's most likely to be a, a stress or tension type headache because I was under a lot of stress. That's not necessarily mm-hmm. true because stress can also trigger a migraine headache. Uh, but generally speaking, what you said is correct. Um, a lot of patients, uh, you know, they they think that they're having these headaches, but they don't think anything can be done about them, so they don't even go to the doctor. So the, the first oh. message that I want to convey to people um and that, that's what I'm passionate about is that if you are suffering from chronic headaches, they, meaning that you're having them regularly, uh, and you feel that you, you may not, you may have gone to the doctor, but they you didn't get satisfied, don't just give up. Uh, there are so many treatments, and there's so much, so much we can do about these headaches nowadays that uh, it's worth for you to go see a doctor. And if you're especially having a lot of headaches and as a regular uh, going to the, your primary physician is not uh, helping you, 
then get a referral to a neurologist um, and uh, uh, see uh, what other treatments there are, because there are a lot of other treatments which we'll hopefully discuss uh, in, in the rest of the, the time that we have um, that can actually change your life and maybe uh, help you so that you can become very productive in life again. So don't just keep suffering in silence, you know, thinking that nothing can be done, because we know that uh, the studies have shown that uh, a lot of patients uh, who are suffering, they don't even seek medical attention, uh, which, wow. is, uh, which is unfortunate. And uh, so I want to get the word out. If you have headaches, uh, you're not getting better. Go to your doctor, get a referral to a neurologist, and, uh, and, and you know, at least uh, start there. That's a really good, and and let's be mindful because I know we could talk a lot. I want to really talk about stress, and I want to make sure that I that you do give us some tips as we get through this because I think that's important. Um, let's let's do this it, it, rather than I was going to ask you what might trigger a migraine. I'm gonna I'm gonna move away from that question for just a moment because what I'd like to know is. Maybe there are some tips, and perhaps we could talk about some of that now. Like, for instance, as an example, are there certain foods that people should avoid if they tend to have migraines or, or chronic headaches? Um, okay, so uh, in, in this instance also, well, the answer is yes and no. Uh, like, you know, answers to most most questions in life. There's no one clear-cut answer. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty infuriating at, at times. But um, there are uh, uh, some foods uh, that migraine patients are sensitive to. Um, and so that is true. That if you, So if you are sensitive to certain things uh, and they're triggering your migraine headaches, then you should avoid them. Um, the problem with that statement is that because there are so many things that, that uh, migraine patients are sensitive to, people have made up lists of uh, foods to avoid uh, in, in, in patients who have migraine headaches. The problem with that is that um, if a particular food is not triggering your headache, uh, then there's no reason to stay away from it because these diets can be very restrictive. There's so many things that can trigger uh, a migraine in a susceptible individual. Uh, so if you have a list that contains almost everything under the sun, then what are you going to eat? Um, so mm-hmm. it becomes very difficult, and it's not very practical to, for me to, uh, you know, if I'm seeing a patient in my office and comes in with migraine headaches, it's not practical for me to say, oh, here's a list, you know, I'll give you a sheet of paper, all the foods that you need to avoid if you want to be headache-free. That's not that's not going to be very practical for that person. They'll, they'll not be able to eat anything except maybe rice or uh, you know uh, fruits, and that's it. Um, but uh, so there, but there are certain things that are more common as triggers. For example, people say red wine is a trigger, or cheese, or some you know fermented foods uh, can be triggers. Uh, sometimes sugar is an important uh, trigger for migraine headaches, um, and uh, sometimes uh, coffee or nicotine, uh, th- those uh, those kind of things are important uh, known triggers. Um, now, if those things are you know not good for you in the first place, such as let's say smoking, 
uh, it is a good mm-hmm. idea to stay away from that, not necessarily just for migraine, but just because uh, of other health issues that can that that can be caused by by nicotine. Um, but uh, if you're not sensitive to chocolate, and if you love chocolate, I'm not going to deprive you of eating chocolate if it's not causing your triggers, even though it's a it may be on on one migraine diet list. Because uh, chocolate chocolate can have some certain things that may trigger a headache in some susceptible migraine patients. Uh, so what I like, what I try, what I tend to, what what I uh, advise my patients who have migraine headaches, is that I want them to experiment uh, if there there are certain foods that that trigger their headaches, or they'll notice that every time they have a glass of wine, they get a headache the next day. Well, that's a pretty strong clue that that wine might be uh, doing something uh, and triggering your headache. Um, and uh, or if you eat a certain food and you notice that it is every time you eat that particular food, you get a massive migraine the next you know in the next few hours. And that's a pretty strong clue. Okay, that that is a trigger for you. So stay away from that food. But besides that, um, what I what I tend to uh, advise my patients is try to eat as much wholesome foods as possible. The more processed foods that you consume, the more likely that they will be triggers. Um, MSG is an important trigger for migraine headaches. So so sometimes, you know, just giving them some examples of things to avoid just for them to check out, are these some triggers for you? So I will say, you know, try to avoid a lot of processed foods and try to keep your diet as uh, wholesome as possible, more fruits and more vegetables and, uh, and less of, uh, you know, of meats and processed, uh, 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 processed foods. So that's usually what I tell my patients in terms of triggers. That's interesting. I, I'm thinking about when you mentioned the MSG, I remember, gosh, however many years ago it was, 20, 30 years ago, when you know everybody was eating and loving Chinese food, and it became um, obvious that MSG was in the soy sauce or whatever they were using, and it was like it was it was it was a topic that people really talked about to the point where you would go to a restaurant and they would say no MSG. You'd like I you know you you would or you'd see it on a label. Um, I re, I remember that forever ago, so that's interesting. So I'm wondering if you're a person that is susceptible to headaches and you want to be part of the solution, my guess is probably keeping a food journal and then going, oh, you know what? I had a headache after I went to that restaurant or I I had some red wine and you know what? I woke up with a massive headache. I didn't wake up from a headache three days later when I didn't have any red wine. So I, I would I would think for myself, if I was that person, I'd probably be keeping a journal so that as a partner, who, which is what you are in helping me feel better, I can say to you, I've been keeping a food journal since I saw you last, and I'm starting to learn more about my own personal health. And we are so fortunate now that we don't just have our regular markets, which are great, but we've got the Whole Foods and the Trader Joe's and some of the Sprouts and some of these other places across the country that are gluten-free this and no GMO that. And, you know, if with a little bit of diligence, 
people are beginning to understand that eating properly and having enough fluids in their system, you know, can probably help. And I, I'm, and I just got my a doctor degree yesterday, so you're welcome. Um, but oh, I, congratulations. I'm just, Thank you. Oh, I'm a doctor and talking. But uh, I, I would imagine if it was me, that's what I'd be coming to you with is, okay, so here's here's something else, and and, and let's talk about that. And, and I think, you know, what's what I'd really like to spend the, some time on now, because this goes across the board, whether you do or don't get headaches, is stress. And I, like I said, I love your Instagram page, and we'll make sure that we just let people know how they can follow you, the stress doctor, because a lot of young people just don't necessarily use Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter, maybe Twitter, but um, headaches go across the board, and um, your Instagram page is just phenomenal. I, I absolutely love that. So how how does stress play a part? You, you talked about that not – that sometimes stress is or isn't part of the cause of a headache. But I don't know, just like I said earlier in the show, would you just define what a headache is? Is there actually a definition for what stress is or is it is it defined differently to whomever you ask? Okay, before we go there, I, I, yes. I, I want to go back to what you said. And that is that you got a doctorate. Now, I'm not going to leave that aside. I, you have to tell me more about what your doctorate is about. And so should I be calling you a doctor, Viteka, from now on? No, darling. You can just call me Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> I was kidding you. I don't have that doctorate. That's your expertise. <laughs> that was me acting like I had that experience, which I do not. So thank you in case anyone is listening and thinks, she got a doctorate? Please know that was a joke. <laughs> thank you for clarifying that, sir. Because I told you um, you were funny. Okay, so thank you. Yes, you did go to college, and yes, sure. I did not get a doctorate. Uh, except I, that I, I can talk I, a lot. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I know, me too. And uh, <laughs> yes, sometimes people tell I me, know you know, I, you got to shut up sometimes. So. Ah. Not with me. Nope, I love it. I love it. I and do. also, one other I, thing. You know, yes, please. Uh, well, what I was going to say was one other thing that I wanted to mention before we go, get on the topic of stress is that when you talk about uh, keeping a food journal, uh, a lot of times, you know, I will tell my patients to keep a headache diary. And it's the same thing, basically. I, I ask them to, especially these are patients who are having, you know, chronic headaches. I mean, if you're having a headache once in a great while, you know, it's not bothering you, and you just, uh, uh, you know, just uh, uh, either go to sleep or take a Tylenol and everything is fine, you know, you're not going to do anything more than that. But if you're suffering from chronic migraine headaches and they're really bothering you and interfering you with your life, so one of the things I uh, tell my patients is you got to keep a headache diary. I not only do I need to know how often you're getting these headaches, I want you to see what uh, what happened around that headache. What did you do that may have triggered it? And uh, um, what did you eat? What, what, were you under a lot of stress? Did you have enough sleep the night before? Or what were the circumstances? The more information you can give me about these headaches and the more you can document, the more I can uh, help you because then we can figure out some patterns uh, that repeat themselves because sometimes we don't pay attention as to what we eat and uh, how what we're eating is i mean if you have a, a direct correlation that you drank red wine and a couple hours later you had a splitting headache 
and every time you drank red wine that happened, but that's a pretty uh, clear indication. But in many cases, we don't know what we're eating in terms of whether there was too much sugar in there or um, you know, uh, was it processed or what, what other ingredients were there and that, that may have triggered you. So if you can keep track of the kind of foods that you're consuming uh, or your life in general, that may help us better to determine what are some of the triggers. Uh, because you know, treating migraine headaches is not just about giving, giving you a medication. It's about figuring out what is causing the problem. That is, that is one of the reasons I got interested in Eastern medicine is that um, Eastern medicine is very you know, concerned about the cause of the problem and addressing the cause and not just addressing the symptoms by taking a medication. Uh, so I'm always interested in trying to determine the cause of the problem uh, and then addressing your life, addressing what is happening in your life uh, that may be, uh, you know, contributing to the, to the migraine. And so and that brings us to, the, to your question about stress. Now, stress is, uh, is another thing, another uh, that people, everybody says that they're stressed out, um, and people kind of know what stress is uh, without really knowing how to define it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to go into a definition of stress here either. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, when we talk, when we generally talk about stress, we're talking about the, the tensions in life, you know, all the, the, the circumstances of life that are not to our liking, that are, you know, causing us problems. You know, if you have a, if you have a, you know, a job where, you know, you're not really happy uh, and uh, you have a, a boss that is not very, not a nice boss and is causing you a lot of problems, that's going to cause stress in your life. Uh, same thing, you know, mainly is relationships or not, mainly see the relationships or finances and, uh, you know, those kind of things are causing, are, are causing, uh, you know, stress in life. Uh, it's the question is how is it affecting you and what do you do when you feel that you're so stressed out? That's the main, the main question that we need to address. Um, so, um, now I don't know if uh, Marcia, you tell me about you, you. I mean, do you feel that you have a lot of stress in your life? Well, you know, I, I appreciate you asking me that. Oftentimes, my guests don't really ask me too many questions. And interestingly enough, Ravinder, one of the changes that I've recently made in my life, and I've mentioned this the last couple of months, is that I do have some stress in my life. A lot of it is self-inflicted stress, like why have you added so many things to one day? What, I've, what I have found that has calmed some of that down for me is what you had mentioned at the top of the show, which is yoga. And I didn't really recognize or realize, even though I worked at the Y, you know, I was, I was the people person. I wasn't teaching physical fitness. Um, I didn't realize by just understanding how to breathe properly, by bringing those shoulders down, by um, having that peaceful pose. You you know, the poses are great. I do more of a restorative type of a yoga than some of the more physical yogas, but it has touched me spiritually, but it has just calmed me down. And so if I find myself in a stressful situation like, you know, falling for a scam on my phone over Wells Fargo, 
um, I fell for it, pretty stressful, and I will actually say to somebody, excuse me, I need to take a yoga breath right now. I need to breathe. And just <laughs> yes. doing that and just saying that and just sharing that and being mindful, those things right there, sure, that has, that has helped me. So the fact that I don't get headaches is a blessing. But I know we're going to talk about that some stress is not bad. It gets us like, oh, my God, I am so turned on. I got my show today, and I'm so excited. And, oh, boy, this is really fun. Is it stressful? I don't know. I wouldn't call it stressful. Kind of, kind of exciting. You can call it whatever you want. You know, so I guess we all, like you said, can define stress differently. But I have found for me in my sort of type A personality that that level of learning to breathe properly and practicing it and meditating and being grateful and being mindful has changed my life. I don't know. Well, that's, Was that the answer yeah, you were expecting? You exactly, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's, very, that's very good. And, uh, I mean, you brought, brought up a lot of good points that I wanted to address. Um, you know, Good. people don't know how to breathe properly uh, in this country. We, you know, obviously we're breathing because if we weren't breathing, we won't be alive. But it's how we breathe that's very important. And usually our, our breaths are very shallow. Uh, we don't take deep enough breaths. Uh, so for all the people who are listening, if all you do um, is start taking a few deep breaths, just closing your mouth and taking a deep breath through your nose, letting your lungs expand uh, and holding it for a few seconds and then letting it out slowly. You know, if you start doing that, it's going to have a major impact on your life. Um, it's, it's very, as you mentioned, it's very calming. Uh, and so the more deep breaths that you take, the more calmness you're going to uh, incorporate in your life or, and you will be able to handle things better uh, uh, when, uh, compared to when you're stressed out. Uh, because mm-hmm. when you're stressed out, you forget to breathe. And sometimes people say, oh, you know, like, oh, you know, I didn't really realize I was holding my breath. Uh, because mm-hmm. when you're stressed out, you, do, you forget to breathe. Uh, and then when you take a deep breath, it kind of brings, uh, you know, some calmness uh, in, into, your, uh, into your physical being so that uh, you know, you, you can relax. Um, and but the, the problem is that sometimes when you know, when people are stressed out, they tell them to take a deep breath. Um, uh, they they get upset. They get like they get out. Well, don't tell me to take a deep breath. You take a deep breath. Um, right. And, uh, you get they don't realize. Yes. Yes. They become defensive because they don't think that is going to help. It's like you know, just just taking deep breath is going to help me. Uh, and but you know, when when they try it. Uh, you'll see that it does help you a lot. Um, now, you know, when you, the, 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 what I want to talk about is, but we need to put this in perspective. Um, when you are stressed out, uh, yes, it is important to learn how to de-stress yourself and learning how to breathe properly and doing yoga. By the way, in, in, my, in my clinic, as I mentioned before, that we have a yoga therapist. And uh, mm-hmm. what we focus on is, all, is, is again, it's not necessarily the physical type of yoga. And people have a different uh, view of what, what yoga means. People think that yoga is all about 
twisting yourself in different body positions and uh, uh, in, into a pretzel and flexibility. That's only one small part of yoga. But m- m- main part of yoga is how to use um, your breath and how to live life, basically. It's about living life. And uh, physical aspect is one aspect. Uh, learning how to breathe properly is, one, is another aspect. Uh, but diet and, uh, you know, some uh, other things that li- lifestyle, uh, how you live your life is, is an important aspect of yoga as well. So in, in, in our clinic, we, uh, we do one-on-one yoga, and it's about teaching people how to, first of all, breathe properly and then addressing the cause of their problems and, uh, and going. So it's not just uh, uh, the physical aspect of doing yoga, going to a yoga class and doing all those positions uh, that uh, the instructor is telling you to do. Um, and so just so people know that yoga is not just that, uh, but it is used uh, for medical purposes uh, and is really helpful for a lot of medical conditions. So breathing properly is very important. Now, uh, even with that, though, um, uh, breathing is important when you're already stressed out. The other part of stress is how to not get stressed out in the first place. And so when you breathe properly and you start doing, doing it on a regular basis, it will also bring some calmness in you so that you don't react to um, to people or to, to your circumstances uh, that cause more stress in your life. Because you also need to address what is causing the stress and not just uh, addressing the stress once it's there. So that's the, those are the two important things. Yes, you've got to decrease the stress. That, uh, uh, you, know, you have to find ways of coping with the stress that you already have. Uh, but second, more importantly, is how to decrease the, 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 what's causing stress in your life. Uh, because you mentioned that, and then you know, when we talk about stress, we're generally speaking about the negative stress. But as you rightfully mentioned, uh, stress is not all bad. There is good stress as well. But when we talk about being stressed out, we're not really talking about the good stress. We're really generally talking about the negative or the bad effects of stress. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I, I, and you know, it comes right back to that breathing. And you, and you're right. I honestly, and I know that this will sound uninformed, but I just thought your breathing just sort of stopped at your top, your, at your, at the top of your diaphragm. I didn't really physically understand that the diaphragm. Personally, I didn't know this. I didn't realize that the diaphragm had three sections to it. Singers know it. People that are musicians know it because they understand they have to be, breathe deeply in order to sing or to even blow up a balloon if you think about it that way. And once I realized that if your belly, if you're taking a deep breath and your belly is not extending, then you really haven't pushed that air all the way down into your diaphragm. And these are the things that I've learned, and I think the fact that you offer this one-on-one yoga treatment for people that are really suffering with chronic pain, I, I could see where that is really beneficial. Maybe you just don't want to take a bunch of pain medication, you know, and maybe this is, this is the answer. And maybe, like you said, not all stress is bad. 
You know, sometimes you, you, you might not want to call it stress. You might want to call it excitement. And maybe somebody else would call it stress. Like, oh, my God, I couldn't do that. It's like, well, I'm not really, really stressed about that. I actually think that's kind of cool and exciting. You know, uh, so I guess it's it's dependent upon each of us to determine kind of what stress. I mean, what you didn't mention that that a lot of people my age are are dealing with is illness, family illness. You know, chronic illness, serious illness, where you have loved ones that are very seriously ill. That is a stress that sometimes can't be avoided. So you need to find a way to to cope with that. And once again, I would guess that while you can't really prevent that, what are you going to do? You know, you want to speak to a doctor about your loved one and you don't want to be so hysterical that you can't hear anything that's being said. So breathing comes into part of that as well, wouldn't you say? Definitely. Um, and one of my, my one of the things that I've been doing more recently is uh, focusing on the stress uh, because once you become better at handling stress, um, you, get better, you get better at handling all kinds of life issues that, uh, that you come across, whether it's um, illness in the family or illness in yourself um, or any kind of financial problems or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. causes stress. You know, the, the, the point is life is going to happen. Uh, you're not going to be able to change life. You know, life is what happens to you. It's how you re- respond to that, to what was happening to you determines the quality, you know, of your own life. So it's about trying to find the balance. How do you react to life's circumstances? If you're always reacting uh, and you're not being proactive and you're not really addressing life, uh, so you'll always be stressed out because you'll always be reacting. You, there will always be things that are happening to you, and you, so you will always be reacting to them. So it's, it's about how to ch- take charge of your life so you're not always reacting to life circumstances, but you create certain, the circumstances of your life. And then when you do have things that happen that are outside of your control, you're able to handle them better and not go all, uh, uh, you know, um, all uh, concerned and uh, basically uh, don't know how to handle things. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so it's about... About, how, about living life and how do you live life fully? How do you live life uh, uh, with, uh, with passion and power instead of uh, uh, living a life of mediocrity and uh, always being in reaction to life's circumstances? Oh, so beautifully said. You know, um, you've probably written a book because you are such a word master. Uh, and I, I knew this hour would go just, I knew this hour would fly by because I feel like we're friends and I hope that people understand that I don't always know my guests as well as, as I, as some guests I don't know at all uh, ahead of time, but you and I have had um, conversations in person on more than one occasion. So there's a, there's a, a deep sense of respect and acknowledgement for, for who you are and what you represent. I would like, so we mentioned your um, website, which is www.premier-neurology.com. That will get us to your website. But would you mention, because I've said it so many times, how do people follow you on Instagram? So Instagram um, um, is your stress doc. 
So uh, if you just um, find me, um, you will see my face with a turban and a beard. <laughs> so uh, oh my, God, my, you my, have my a beard, hand. Is... Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh so God. it's your stress doc. Yep. On it's, Instagram. It's a, ter- it's a terrific. It's a terrific. Um, I see it every day. I've encouraged my friends to also follow you every day on that because it's really just a great way of taking some words and putting some action to them. And I I love that part about you. And um, on your website, there are lots of different categories on your website. I'm, I'm on your website right now. And there's, like I said, there's all different things. There's, all you have blogs you have you have a picture of all of your physicians and i realize that you know this is an internet show and people that's living in another part of the country may not take advantage of you dr singh but they might be inspired based on what you've said to check into their own uh, own physician and i love the title of your book we cannot let the title of your book um, escape us. So um, you want to tell people what the name of your latest book was? Because I love the title. Um, Go ahead. Yes, this is a book on, on headaches. It's called Not Tonight, I Have a Headache. Um, mm-hmm. So it is about headaches. It is not about uh, what you might be thinking about. Um, yes. But it's a, it's a good book. It's a, um, um, And well, you can tell them about the book, but it's basically about my approach to treating headaches. I wanted to educate mm-hmm. people about uh, not just the Western uh, approach, but also the different Eastern approaches and how you can actually, uh, there are also some tips on what you can do to help your headaches right away. Uh, but it's also about my approach to life in general. How do you, mm-hmm. what is life about? Uh, what are some of the laws of nature? So it, it, even though it's about headaches, it is more than just the headaches. It's about uh, uh, how to live life. Uh, and I also talk about stress in it and what part stress plays in your life and how to, um, you know, how to improve the, the, the negative stress in your life. By the way, I'm also working on a, on a book on, on stress, which should be coming out, you know, hopefully in the next few months or so. Uh, oh, wonderful. So, you know, so, so people who are, um, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you follow me on Instagram or on my website or if people who don't have Instagram, and they want to know more about me, uh, you can go to um, drsingh.us, D-R-S-I-N-G-H.us, and you can sign up um, for my newsletter or blog, so that way you can, uh, oh. you can find out what else I'm doing. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, you know, I don't think I knew that. So this, 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 because I want to make sure I put that in my blog about you. So if somebody wants to sign up for your newsletter, they would just go to www.drdrsingh.us. Am I right? Yes. Is that correct? Okay, that's yes. wonderful. I'll make sure that I link that in my um, follow-up blog about you so that people that, you know, are not listening to our live show but are coming back to listen to it later today, they'll have an opportunity to do that as well. I just want to ask you a quick question before we, we, we close this show, but it, it doesn't have to be answered in, in 50, 30 seconds. And that is, so you've talked about sort of a life philosophy. I'm just curious, in your own lifestyle, 
between having a busy practice, medical practice, how do you personally balance? What do you do that brings you a level of balance so that you can be productive in your personal and your private life? Well, um, that actually is a question that has requires a, a, you know, a long time to answer because it's not an easy answer. <laughs> However, what I can say is that one of the things that I do that, that gives me my life meaning is that I, um, I do things that interest me, that I follow my passion. Uh, and if you don't follow your passion, if you're not happy with doing what you're doing, uh, you will not find balance in your life. So um, you know, when you know um, uh, when you do something that is uh, that you enjoy doing, um, and I enjoy being a neurologist, but I I also found that um, I, I I don't I want to do more than just being a neurologist, and I want to do uh, do all these things that we do together, you know, writing books and doing blogs and educating people and getting on uh, you know radio and uh, doing shows like this. That's what gives me that that's a passion of mine. And so I follow this nice. passion, and it allows me to, you know, to do things that I would not do. And then when I'm at home and I go home late at night, I don't feel as if I've wasted my time, that I have been productive, I've enjoyed my life, my day, uh, and I've been you know, affecting other people's lives. And, uh, and that's what gives me my life meaning is that I affect other people's lives in a, in a positive way, and I'm transforming the stress, the negative stress in their lives to uh, into a positive stress, and so they are they are living their life fully, and that I'm helping to, uh, you know, helping them in some way, and that what gives me meaning. That is so. That's a beautiful way to end the show, because um, you're not just saying that. That, and I'm sure anyone that's listening can hear your authenticity and your genuineness genuineness about the way you conduct your life. Someday I'm going to meet you over at the stairs at Culver City just to cheer you on, honey. I will not be climbing those stairs with you. But um, that is really a rigorous workout. But uh, I just don't, think Never that, say never because I'm going to you know climb those stairs one of these days. Okay. Maybe we'll do it. Well, maybe we'll do that together. But I just I want to thank you for taking the time out on a very you know, it's Monday. You've got patience. And as, 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 as was the last time, this has just been so marvelous. And I'm also following my passions. I never thought I'd be doing a radio. And here I am, you know, four and a half years into doing this every Monday. And I love it too. And maybe that's why I follow my passions, understand my meaning. And when I have guests like yourself that join me each week, it is just phenomenal. Next week, it's going to be all about Susan G. Komen. I'm going to have the executive director of the L.A. County, Susan G. Komen. His name is Mike Pylon. And I'm going to have a woman that has, um, has, is a cancer survivor. And people have stories. And I love that. I love that about my life. And I'm so grateful that you've spent this time with me. Really, I, I sincerely mean that. It's just been terrific, and we'll have to meet at some point, just just so we can hug each other and say hello. I would I would so like that. I would love <sighs> that as well. Uh, thank you for having well, me on your show. As uh, always, it was a great pleasure to be on. Thank you, Ravinder. You have a terrific week. Make the difference with everybody that you see, 
And I, I thank you so much for joining me. And everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show as much. There are all kinds of links on how you can get more information from Dr. Singh. And until next time, let's go out there and have a peaceful, safe, productive, loving week. I wish that for all of you. And with that, I will say bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye to you, too. Thank you.